Welcome to the Homeschool Together podcast. Where one working mom and a stay-at-home dad help you navigate the nuts and bolts of the growing and dynamic world of homeschooling. With a focus on early learners. Like me! All the ins and outs of building and maintaining your homeschool life. Homeschool! Find out tips and tricks to make things like this easier. I'm reading! And ultimately, enjoy educating your kids. And what's that last thing? Have fun together! Did I do good, Daddy? (laughs) Yeah, you did, sweetie. Good job. Hello and welcome to Homeschool Together. Thanks so much for joining us today. We have a sponsor and it is Homeschool Together Podcasts, the fastest growing podcast in the North Sound area. (laughs) That's kind of a throwback to the old days. (laughs) Well, we're almost at episode 200, right? I mean, this is a sponsor own podcast. This is the upper 190s. I can't believe we we were here after um, it just doesn't feel like we've been we've been doing this for that long, but. Gosh, I, I, we're going to have to do something special for 200. It's like an anniversary. Well, it's coming out on Thursday. We'll see what happens. Um, <laughs> if you have a chance, we got a lot of links today um, talking about today's podcast down in the show notes. If you have a chance, head on over to all our social media, join YouTube, say hello to Carol, who, sa- who says uh, wonderful comments on it at the bottom of every one of our YouTube <laughs> YouTube videos. We, we love you, Carol. We'll see you all the time. Um, and, you know, we, we uh, love the comments somebody yeah. said about our YouTube, like, why don't you guys have 5,000 followers? I don't know. I don't know, um, but I'm one at of the you, YouTube. <laughs> well, one of the best things that you can do if you enjoy this podcast, if you enjoy the YouTube content that we're putting out about our around the world journey and our other homeschooling topics, uh, tell a friend, uh, tell somebody else on another online Facebook group or Reddit or wherever people are asking for help, or you meet a mom in the park who's thinking about maybe homeschooling. You know, tell them yeah. about this podcast. That's yeah, the best thing that way. you can you can do to to help us and and help to get, uh, grow our listenership because we we do work uh, we do work hard for this podcast for all of you and, and we, we work hard for no money. <laughs> we work hard for no money. <laughs> yes, this is truly a labor of love. So we'd appreciate. They're all uh, laughing at that one. That was a good one. Yeah, you sounded like not too. I mean, you were not that far off pitch. Not not too bad. So anyway, we won't keep you, but we appreciate all of you and those that do tell your friends and uh, other folks about us uh you know we we see you we appreciate you absolutely so today we're gonna you know the world's full of anxiety and and fear and 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 stuff and we want to go into the new year you know into the summer prepared so we're going to talk a lot about safety and preparedness and yeah thanks to jessica wilson who suggested this podcast it was something i hadn't really thought about Um, Jessica, you asked specifically for curriculum around this. We did uh, find a couple of great resources that were secular. Unfortunately, a lot of things we found were religious. So we thought today we would talk about uh, some of our thoughts about how to approach safety and emergency preparedness, some important things to keep in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did a lot of research for today's episode, and I think that there's some great tips in there. And in fact, I was reading through and I was like, oh, geez, I, I don't think I've talked with my daughter about our family escape plan. You know, I mean, things like that. <laughs> like, I just, I really realized that uh, I think that we've been a little bit deficient in what we've uh, shared with yeah. our own daughter. So it was a good learning opportunity for me, too, in uh, researching for this episode. Well, in the meantime, we're recommending a heavy gauge chain and a large tree out back. <laughs> what? 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 <laughs> Sometimes your dad jokes, they, they just sail over my head. I don't know. <laughs> so basically, okay, so the people are going into it. They've got some youngins. You know, we're always terrified of <laughs> letting them out of I'm our terrified sight. of everything. You know, we've had some scares too, you know, hey, I'm going to go, you know, without telling us where she's going, all of a sudden she disappears. And, you know, we've, we've had our heart sucked out of our chest a few times and even Mm -hmm. more so, you know, if you have, you know, a blizzard or a fires in your area or hurricanes and whatnot, and these are things that we all have to think about, you know, the natural disasters, the local disasters, the personal disasters that Mm -hmm. may, may occur. We want to think about, you know, how do we you know, prepare our young ones without freaking them out, you know, <laughs> without well, or freaking ourselves shock. out. I mean, yeah. honestly, gosh, I, I had some heart palpitations doing the research for this episode. Like, <sighs> like the, uh, like, you know, the, the flood, the flood issues with the, the reservoir up the, up the road. I, I mean, all the things. <laughs> I'm going to write know. a story about that one day. It'd be like the Johnstown flood. <laughs> 
Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things to be afraid of, but one of the things we wanted to talk about how to really approach talking to your kids about safety and emergency preparedness. So first, first and foremost, that you really need to consider your own unique family situation. I mean, there are some basic things about, you know, fire and, you know, things like that, 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 that apply to everyone, but really our own unique situation, right? We live in a two story house. So we're going to have to talk about how to escape out a window and what, things we might have to or, do right or Whereas, not touch the windows that was a big fear that we had right. with our with our house when we first moved in here it was like well what if she climbs out the window <laughs> yeah her windows didn't have locks the types of the casement yeah. windows that yeah so there was some scary things so you know it depends like where do you live do you live in an area that's prone to hurricanes mm-hmm. or like us that could have an earthquake um you know what is your family situation maybe you live with an uh and there's an elderly grandparent that lives in your home and so maybe you need to talk to your child about what to do should there be a medical emergency with grandma or grandpa exactly. so th- i mean it really depends on the dynamics of your family family, your home situation also depends on your activities. If you're a huge backpacking family, you're going to have different safety concerns yeah. um, and emergency like lo- concerns yeah, like than loca- another family. I was thinking like location. Like if you live in a city, you have different concerns versus somebody who lives out in the rural countryside. A- absolutely. So really you have to con- consider where you're at, your own situation, your location, the activities and things that you like to do or places your children frequently are. Oh, my, my child is frequently, our child is at a parent partnership program Mm -hmm. a couple of days a week that's a different environment than home and there might be different safety or emergency plans for that location right if you have a child that's you know always three days a week they're at horse riding uh, lessons that's a different location so you know really think about all the places that you and your family are going to be and what possible safety concerns there could be before you you know, decide what you want to tackle with your, with your learners. Well, so I think when you, when you're talking to your, you know, your learner about that, the first thing is the communication. Like, so how, how, how would you communicate these things to your learner? So I think it's really important in all the research I did, it, it talked a lot about consistency and knowing what you wanted to say before you go into it. Right. We don't want to talk with our daughter about what to do in the event of a fire until you and I have discussed what we want our family to do in the event of a fire. And, and just, just because, you know, we have a common situation, like what to do if your child gets lost, different families have different preferred solutions to, to, you know, how they want their children to Mm -hmm. behave. We were talking about this earlier, like, you know, when we go to, um, when we go walk through the parking lot to get to the car, we want our daughter to put her hand on the gas door. You know, that's, it's like a great, like put your rest your hand there until we get sister out of the car. It's just a good, like touch point that they, she knows where that is. I saw that, I don't know, online years ago. And I thought that's brilliant, you know? So, you know, things like that, right. Somebody else may have a different way that they deal with safety around their car while they're getting their baby strapped in and out and their older child is out. So right. Everyone has different ways that they want to approach something, but we, you need to decide together with your spouse or the other and not or and the other adults in your household. So if you live with grandma and grandpa or somebody else, another adult lives in your house, you all have to be on the same page about what to do in this situation because this is going to be a heightened emotion situation for your your child. And um, this, you know, they, they can't be trying to remember mixed messages. Yeah, <laughs> so. one of the things I think that, you know, you learn from, say, the military and whatnot is you train through various scenarios that so that when that scenario actually happens or when you talk through it in that in this mm-hmm. respect you know that you just execute the plan you don't have to worry about it right. the anxiety and the fears kind of go away you just say oh this is happening we've got a plan for this we do right. exactly this and then once we get to a safe place we can reassess right so when it comes to like everyday safety the best thing to do is you're you're practicing it while doing it right when mm-hmm. we walk with our daughters um, through our neighborhood, there's like a path and we all together, we all stop at the edge of the street and we all look for the cars and then we go across and we do it consistently every time. And then now they know that that's the expectation. They're ready. Or, or or we get the little one off the bike before we get to the end of the road. Right. She knows. Even like, was it yesterday? She's like, Oh, I can't go. Can't go to the end of road. We can't go by the big, by the big road. We have to walk our bike. Yeah. So yeah, there's, she knows because we consistently do that every time. Mm. That's great with with like general safety concerns. But when it comes to preparing for an emergency, that's when we have to 
like train, like you're saying, and do some role playing. So we'll talk a little bit about that emergency preparedness, but, you know, kind of think about what is the safety thing you're concerned about? How are you going to, how and when are you going to present it? Is this something you can do in everyday life? Like how to be safe around the stove or how to be safe around cars in a parking lot? Or is it like, oh, we need to run a drill to prepare for having an earthquake. What would we do if in the event of an earthquake, how would we respond? Obviously you have to you know, fabricate the situation so that you can, you can practice. I mean, they did this a couple of weeks ago at the parent partnership. We had a big fire alarm and we all had to walk out. It was funny walking all, all these parents walking out in straight lines and getting out in the fields and, you know, waiting for the all clear signals. Right. So, Cause we all did it as children. <laughs> we can now do it as yeah. And our, and our kids were not really very prepared. So no, she was, I had, and a lot of times they, they actually tell them ahead of time that this is happening. So right. don't, don't be afraid. So that gets into that fear and anxiety. So what about this kind of self-regulation of your own emotions? Yeah. I think when it comes to, we, we think about safety and we think about emergencies, but I saw something great was like, what you, one of the things you cannot forget to train for is self-regulation. We're, we're in, mm -hmm. your child is going to be in a very stressed situation. So teaching your child to breathe calmly when they're stressed, mm -hmm. to assess their situation, identify the danger and put that danger in perspective, right? So uh, I think the example that I saw uh, when I was doing my research was that uh, her daughter was terrified of a flying bug oh, yeah. while she was on the stairs. And so her daughter stopped, she breathed calmly she assessed the flying bug and realized the danger was actually the stairs mm -hmm. and being hysterical around the bug could cause you to fall down the stairs. That's a great point. Right? Yeah. So, and, you know, we want them to remember in a situation that is stressful to them what our safety rules are or what our plans are. So we can't do that if they're freaking out. Yeah. And there's plenty of opportunities for us to practice self-regulation with well, our kids and, every day. Yeah, how, how often <laughs> you know, do, do two children be together and that it does not mushroom cloud into uh, a shooting war <laughs> at some point in the <laughs> well, day? Well, with sisters, it does. With sisters, it does. You know, and we, we're always constantly talking about safety, right? Like, oh, don't yeah. fall on sister or don't swing sister around or, you know, don't right. little sister, don't jump on big sister when she's mm -hmm. in this position, we are always talking about idea of safety and calm and whatnot. That's right. And, you know, when our kids get stressed out, that's a time when we are coaching them through I, you know, a lot of breathing. And I had generalized anxiety for, I guess, for a long time. I, I, I guess I could still technically say I do have it. It's something that I'll never not have. Mm -hmm. um, but I have learned over lots of years of really great therapy how to calm myself down to not mm -hmm. spin into a panic attack. And so I'm trying to... I'm trying to give those lessons on to our daughter about how to breathe calmly, about mm -hmm. how to regulate so that she doesn't panic. And so in in any of these situations, no matter what you're preparing for, teaching our kids how to self-regulate is hugely important. When I read that, I was like, oh, that was like a light bulb going mm -hmm. off. I thought, oh man, I've been I've been teaching her this because I don't want her to grow up and have an anxiety issue um, or have an anxiety issue as a child. But I didn't realize how valuable that skill is in the event of a safety situation. So I think the last thing is just that we want to use really proactive and positive language. Mm -hmm. So we want to tell our kids what they should do and not what they shouldn't do. Mm -hmm. It's really hard to remember in don'ts, a stressful situation, yeah. don'ts. But remembering what we should do is a totally different mindset. And very often the do's are very small. They're very, there's not many of them. You know, if you're lost, find an adult, contact. Yeah, whatever your lost. family's you know, if you can't, response is. If you can't find us, stay still, we'll find you. You know, those type of things. Mm -hmm. You know, the do's are always very... There's so many possibilities of things not to do. It's hard to memorize them. And those come through life experiences. But the, the do's... I mean, the don'ts, those are the don'ts, but the do's are actually very small and slim Usually in they're, comparison. Yeah, the, the way we want them to respond to the situation yeah. is usually more limited, you're right. So it, it's important to have that proactive language. And then, and then lastly, we always want to explain why, mm -hmm. because we need our kids to buy in. They're not going to just follow, I mean... Our kids don't even, I don't know about your kids, but our kids don't just do it because we said so. No, they, um, well, they, they, we don't even have to explain why. They ask us why. They do. <laughs> yeah. They do. They always ask why. And and we tell them sometimes, you know, mommy and daddy always have a reason. Mm 
We don't tell you anything without a reason. We have the best of reasons here. Um, And if you ever want to know it, you can ask us. That's for our everyday stuff. But when it comes to like giving a safety lesson, we always want to include why when our daughter was around the stove, she was Mm -hmm. learning how to, uh, right near our stove, we have our our, um, toaster and she wanted to learn how to make toast. And so you said, don't put a knife, you know, we, we, we never put knives into the toaster. When you, when you get toast out, we always use the little, little wooden, grabber wooden tongs. tongs or whatever. And you said, because you could be electrocuted by it. So like you were explaining why mm-hmm. right then she understood the gravity of, I think of that situation as much as a six year old can. But, yeah. and we were saying, you know, always do this with the toast and yeah. she's been really good using the toaster. Exactly. So it's just important to give the why of it so that they understand and, and really buy into our safety plan. So a lot of this is kind of broken up into two spheres, two halves. So first one would be um, safety generalized mm-hmm. safety and the next one be preparedness so being right. safe in what you're doing um, and then being prepared for when something does go wrong and so let's talk about the first thing which is the safety the safety aspects of this and the biggest thing about safety that we spend most of our time as homeschooling parents you know m- you know public schools or private schools they're spending a lot of their time at the school mm-hmm. subtracting out sleep time they're spending most of the time at school as homeschoolers, we spend most of the time at home. And so that's right. where maybe some of the most dangerous parts of our day could be because we spend the most time there. So, we're, you know, we're, we're, what can they do to be safe? Oh, you know, it's a million things, right? It's yeah. it's uh, how to use appliances in your home safely, like we just talked about. It's it's cooking. Cooking, it's, I think, is the kitchen, I think, is the biggest thing. Kitchen is the biggest thing. Uh, safety in the bathroom, right? We, we have very slick tile in our bathroom, and so I'm always, you know, telling the kids to be sure that they really dry their feet well and they be careful when they walk. You know, everybody's house has different things. You could have a pool and maybe you have safety rules there, yeah. or your backyard, maybe there's elements that might be unsafe. Um, the we, rusty old swing. <laughs> yeah, we we have a an alarm system and it has a chime every time the door is opened, and it's God, been that's a lifesaver. Uh, yeah, it's a lifesaver. So you know we have a rule to not go outside without permission unless there was an emergency. Uh, so things like that. Um, you might have uh, pets or you know something else in the house that you know we have things in the house. We have knives and different things that are dangerous. So. There's tons and tons of chemicals underneath the sink that we have locked up. Yeah. So there's all kinds of safety things to talk about. So really assess your environment. These are things that you're probably already talking to your kids about. And these tend to kind of progress as your kids get older and then they get more responsibility and uh, ability to do things. Then there's new safety. Well, no, it concerns. was actually very funny. We actually, my my oldest, we had this discussion on our way to school today about how she wanted to go to um, her sister's school for two year olds. I was like, well, that's great, but then you would be a two year old, you wouldn't be able to do all these other great things you can do now because you're a six year old. And mm-hmm. it kind of hit her that the older she gets, the more responsibility she gets, and the more potential fun she can do. Right, and for us, then it's, there's more potential danger too. It's this balance between giving them autonomy and keeping them safe. But we don't want to hold them so close that they don't learn some of the safety lessons on their own. Mm-hmm. We we try, if no one's going to get too hurt, <laughs> to let them learn some of these safety <laughs> lessons themselves. Um, Second degree burns. Are okay. No, not at all. <laughs> but, you know, we're always we're always assessing, you know, the risks of, you know, telling them, for example, that that food's very hot. Don't mm. don't eat it yet. That food's very hot, and they don't believe us, and so we just let them take a bite, and they might burn their tongue, and then now they know that that food was hot, and when mommy says it's hot, it really is. Yeah. You know, there's just there's small things like that that we sometimes they have to learn by experience, but it's always I don't know, it's always a balance between we just want to keep them safe all the time. So one of those first things that you want to maybe put into the you know, a young kindergartner, first, second grader is knowing their identification numbers, knowing mm-hmm. that, you know, their rank and file, where, where do they live? Yeah. Their full, their full, full name. name, I think is a big one because they may know their first name, but you know, their, yeah. their second name may, may escape them a little bit. Right. And, you know, and, and also important how to write their last name. Exactly. A lot of kids learn how to write their first name, but don't learn at the same time to write their last name. So, um, memorizing mom or dad's phone number or knowing where to, if you have a really young kiddo, knowing where to go to get it. Right? I have it. I have our phone number written inside my daughter's backpack. Yep. So she could literally unzip the main pocket of the backpack and point to somebody and say, you know, there's my mommy's number. It's right there. Mm-hmm. So if your kid's too young to be able, like our, our child can't yet memorize the phone number, um, but she knows where to go get it. 
uh, should she need it. And then your home address if that's needed. So just, you know, depending on on where your child might be and when they might need that information, it's important that as soon as they're able to either memorize it or at least identify where someone can find it, that that you do that. Absolutely. Now, what about, you know, the next biggest thing is just outside the house, just outside that driveway, you get to the public space and with the public space are people you don't know. So that would yeah. be strangers. Oh, strangers is so scary. Stranger dangers. I, I know I know there's a lot of fear around strangers that may be kind of trumped up and not really true. Um, but we do necessarily have that kind of that knee jerk reaction of like we want to protect them all the time. Yeah. And, you know, obviously there's the free range kids out there and that's really great and awesome. That terrifies me. It would make me really terrified. Well, I, you know, you remember the freedoms that we had as kids. Oh, I know. Even I, I, so that it's, was, it's so funny that, to think about what we were able to do when we oh, were man. kids, like driving down to the corner store, buy some baseball cards when I was 10. Like I just can't imagine <laughs> yeah. letting my 10 year old get on the road on a busy road on a sidewalk Oh, ride their bikes down to a grocery store and buy baseball cards. I, I, I know it's, it's just a different time. I don't know that we're, I don't think that the danger is any more than it was then at all. I just, I think that we're much more sensitive to it now. I think we are. Um, strangers is a really tough, tough topic and it's especially difficult to not scare kids about. I remember we read a Berenstein Bears book uh, about strangers and I think it was like, like the a, trouble with strangers maybe. Yeah, it's a classic, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good and one of the things I liked about uh, it, it was... It really gets the nuance that... That not all strangers are bad. Yeah, not all strangers are bad. And, and that's a really tough thing that, you know, most people in the world are good people but there are a few that, that do want to hurt kids and how you know, how our kids should act when strangers around. Um, it's a really complex topic, more complex than we have time to delve Mm -hmm. into completely here. Obviously talking about strangers is very important. I found a really good resource that gave a lot of, um, great talking points about strangers and how to talk with your kids and kind of lay it out for them and what they should do. Uh, and not be afraid. So we'll link that in the show notes so you can check that out. I, I thought it was really helpful. And if I were, I would just be repeating it here. So yeah. uh, I think it's good to read it yourself and kind of digest that and think about how you might present that to your learner um, and, and what, you know, what the appropriate response would be at that time. But yeah, giving our kids the tools yeah. to know that um, not all people are safe and how to, you know, stay away from people that they don't know. It, it was, it was really good food for thought that was on the, uh, kidpower.org site. So we'll go ahead and, and link that in the show notes so that you, you all can read that. Absolutely. So just beyond the strangers, you know, a lot of times in the summer and the spring, it's starting to get warm. It's starting to get nice. Kids are going out, they're walking, they're playing mm, hockey bicycles. in the streets, riding their bikes. Road safety, I think is my biggest fear because yeah. you know, I'm, I'm around them so much and they rarely leave my sight unless they go into the backyard or something like that. But r- riding along the road is like, that's the one that gets me. Yeah. I mean, they just don't realize how dangerous it is. We, when we were younger, um, yeah. when we were first married, I guess we, um, we had, we were volunteering and working with a, an elderly couple and they had lost their child yeah. when he was very young to a car. Yeah. Um, and he passed away. And so I think it just kind of always stuck with us that it was something that we were really concerned about. We live on a road. It's not a busy road, but at the end of our street is a very busy road. Yeah. And it is something that we're really concerned about. So giving them um, proper safety, you know, whenever a, a car is coming, we have our kids pull over. Mm-hmm. Everybody has to stop and the whole family stops, even if that car is going slow and they see us and maybe they end up pulling. We know that that's a neighbor that lives, uh, you know, <laughs> That's not going to come all the way down the street to us because we know the car. Still the practice. We still always do the practice of pulling over. We still always do the practice of stopping at the end of our driveway and looking into the street and making sure there's no cars. So uh, that one's just really important. As your kids get to be doing more outside Mm -hmm. and they're more mobile, uh, thinking about that. And then thinking about... Uh, parking lot safety. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, my, my uncle and my cousin were both like mowed down by a car just coming out of the grocery store. Yeah. Right. And thankfully they were both okay. Uh, severe injuries, but they are okay. Uh, but it really can happen anywhere. And so I'm, we're, we're just very, very conscious about cars and, and, and safety around them. So 4,000 4, pound vehicles traveling at he- enormous velocities is terrifying yes yeah people are uh, so distracted while driving and yep. things so that's a that's a big one to think about you know and if you have a very young child that's not yet walking on their own or you know um 
thinking now about what is your strategy going to be like we talked about mm-hmm. putting a hand on the on the gas door or does everybody always hold hands in the parking lot um my my daughter now holds through my arm you know she yeah. holds onto my arm because that's the way that she likes to do it whatever like come up with your strategy what your strategy is going to be because you know safety around cars is just a huge deal um next one which is always the you know the one outside of you know horrible physical maiming and everything the one that we as parents probably fear the most is the personal boundary problem um yeah the touching child the, abuse yeah the yeah, abuse and things of that nature yeah. and we know most of those type of abuses comes close to the family um not necessarily from strangers so when we want to teach that is there you know i know i have a friend a cop friend who recommended mm-hmm. this book to us he's like he read it he re- reads it religiously to them every you know as a refresher every few months mm-hmm. um real important to you know keep them understanding that their body is their own they own their body they're not allowed to be touched in any way what shape or form that's always been yeah things that things that yeah. are red flags and exactly. i liked the way that that book presented red flags and green flags and yeah he recommended it uh to us and, and he felt that it was the best book for young children about their own and we put a link to personal it boundaries notes, yeah. It's, yeah it's called i said no um and yeah we put a link in the show notes so go ahead and click on that you can check it out uh, on amazon and we've really, I think that that book presents it very well for, yeah. it's a picture book and it presents it really well for young, uh, young learners. Yeah. We've read it to, a, I think we read it to her first time when she was like five or six. Yeah. When she, when she was five, we started because she was starting to, you know, go to other people's houses, go to other people's houses, go to nature. dance lessons. I mean, there was just things where she was with other adults. Um, and so we just wanted to make sure that, yeah, she, she had understood those personal boundaries. So we really recommend that book. You can check it out in the show notes um, and give it a read. Okay. So that's, that's a scary one. Even more scary. <laughs> we're just <laughs> my, going down. My anxiety's the, ranching up. I know we're going down the anxiety ladder. Um, what happens when you, you lose a kid? And that's, yeah, that's the one that we, we, we touched on that one just very shortly. What although, reactions, yeah. what, what actions should your child take if they become lost? Yeah. Uh, and, and that they should you, always stay with a parent, obviously. What happens if, if not only do they lose you, but you lose them? Like, how do you respond to that? How do you find? Yeah, I think that's something that you just have to think about. Uh, I obviously I've seen the ones, you know, just stay in one place. If you're, if you're in a, uh, if you're at a store or some other business, find someone who works there. You know, Mm -hmm. I've also heard others where kids felt more more comfortable approaching a mom with other children, um, to say, I've lost my mommy. Can you help me? Or my daddy, can you help me find them? So determine what you are comfortable with and the way that you would want your child to handle being separated. I know that our daughter had a pretty big scare when she was four, I think. No, well, the first time was when she was four and we were in a store and we were walking through a clothing store and all of a sudden I could not find her. And she had ended up going inside one of the circular clothing racks. So, and she was, cause she was little and I couldn't see her. Um, and so I started frantically searching for her. Obviously I couldn't find her in the clothing section. So I left that area and started searching for her in other places. And when she came out of the clothing rack, she panicked because I wasn't there. Um, and so, uh, that was scary for both of us and good learning opportunity about what to do and obviously not to do any kind of hiding to always stay within sight of mom. And even today we went to a sale and she Mm -hmm. was like, mom, I'd like to go over there and look at those toys. Is that okay? You can see me. And I said, yes, that's okay. She's still aware of it at six and a half. She still remembers that lesson of, of losing us. And we'll have a product at the end that might help you assuage some fears if you lose your kid in the clothing rack. We'll talk about that. (laughs) Right. Yeah, man. I wish. (laughs) I wish I I would have had that. Um, The other one too is, you know, kind of maybe going somewhere they shouldn't have gone. Um, mm-hmm. you know, to a friend's house. We had this, we had this incident ourselves oh gosh. that terrified I, the, I think it took like years off my life. I have a few more gray hairs because of this. Oh my you know, gosh. your kid might pack up and go to a, a friend's house and then not tell anybody. And that's or, what... you know, just a random kid that they'd met one time <laughs> who said, Hey, you want to go to my house? I live in the next neighborhood. And then we're like, sure. <laughs> God, and then no one in our entire street could find your kid. We, yeah. We've had, we've had multiple times where on the street where kids will be like, going to another yeah, kid's kids house will escape to other will, kids parents houses. will be knocking on doors have you seen my child <laughs> right and and with that panic look and ours ended up going to the next neighborhood with a child we had not met before that she had met just once yeah I know. um and Ugh. yeah i we were 
We were driving around frantically. I was on, I was actually on my bicycle riding from house to house while you were getting the baby in the car and you came and picked me up. I literally dropped my bike on the roadside, <laughs> got in the car, and then she she came back. Um, like nothing was wrong. Felt like well because his yeah. mom had realized that the kids had left and they had yeah, gone yeah. home and. Thank goodness, or else I don't know when we wouldn't have found her until she would have decided to come home because we had no idea there was a child in another neighborhood that she knew. So it it, it was it was terrifying. It was a tense moment. We we speak and from we experience on this one. Yeah. And and you know the thing with that was we hadn't specifically talked to our daughter who was then five about leave. You know we hadn't said and it happened so always quick. stay on our street. And it happened so quick. Too. Well, right. It just. I think the thing that's scary is that things like that, I didn't anticipate that to be something she would even think to do, right? We said to ourselves, she has to be in one of the houses on the street because she would never leave the street. Now, had we specifically ever told her, you must stay on our street. Mm -hmm. I don't think we'd ever really said that. It had not occurred to us. She did not know anyone else on another street. She only had friends here. We had said, you know, we, we, we told her to... We, she basically had ridden her bike out of the garage to go to a house, two houses down. And I had watched her ride down there and she'd done it a lot of times. And I, it didn't even occur to me to say, remember you stay with them. <laughs> but and so now she has a, we have a rule yeah. that you are not allowed to leave anyone's home until you check in with us yeah. about going to somebody else's house. But it didn't even occur to us. So I think I think it's good to think a bit outside the box of what you think your child might do. Yeah. You'd be surprised what they're capable of. Right. You, we were like, oh, our kid's not that kind of kid. She's not like, it's like, it's like our, our dog. Our dog doesn't run off. She just doesn't. You know, so it, it was like that with our kid. She, she doesn't do that kind of thing. We never even <laughs> thought to give her the, you know, warning about it. So, yeah, think a little bit beyond what you think your kid might do. So, so kids getting lost, not staying with the caregiver, you know, those are concerns. You know, what about when they're in the wild? You're out camping, you're out Ooh, hiking. so many things. I mean, it's so, you know, I'm going to be doing a little bit more of this this summer. Yeah, we're, we'll be camping and we'll stuff too. We'll be camping. We'll, we're, I'm going to be taking the girls on some hikes and I'm going to take them to some parks. You know, when you're in the wild, you're maybe a little isolated. You know, there are concerns there of sure. how to handle that. and having a really good plan on on you know what to do when you arrive to somewhere where there is not a there are not a lot of people around and there's not yeah. a lot of resources and there's not a lot of places to go and it's just tree after tree or bush after bush mm-hmm. and it's you can get lost very fast and be very concerned so you know understanding on what to do when you're in the wild and it's not just you know I'm backpacking through the Olympic National Park yeah. right it's like I'm going to a park down the road and I'm going on a half mile hike down a, yeah. a paved trail and what happens if we get turned around and right. or what if they ride out ahead and somebody trips and falls and then you know whatever you know you just don't know what what the possibilities mm-hmm. are especially when you're in these more remote areas and maybe you can't yell or or, right. or call or whatnot and when you lose those when you lose the technology in a lot of a lot of respects when you lose your phone reception and, and maybe your kid has a phone or maybe they have some type of device that you know relays home where they yeah. are you know, that these are scenarios that could happen really fast. You know, I had a, Absolutely. we went on a, a camping trip in high school and I had a friend of mine who took the wrong fork in the road and he went like six miles into the next state because we we're right on the border of Georgia and South Carolina. And he was like way out there and we, we he had to get rescue mm-hmm. helicopter and, and, and he was 16, you know? Oh it yeah. Was, it wasn't like he was like a little kid. He just was alone and went the wrong way. I got lost at camp when I was 12. Yeah, and they had to send search and rescue I to find him. I was super worried. I've never seen such a uh, a sad face when he came in. We were watching the movie at the end of the night. That that boy was sad. Well, yeah, I mean, nobody wants to get <laughs> no, lost. I think does. in no. nature, it's really important to set boundaries about where your kids can and can't go. So yeah. when we go camping, we have really firm boundaries about staying in the campground and watching for cars, obviously, in the campground. But we have a lot of rules about that. It's about knowing dangerous or poisonous plants and animals mm-hmm. and what to do. We have we have black bears up here in the Pacific Northwest. So what do we do if we encounter a bear or a mountain lion or a cougar? We have we have a variety of things. Mm-hmm. What do you do if you encounter something like that? Also really good to read your kids into the map. Mm-hmm. If we're gonna go on a hike, hey, let's all look at this together. Mm-hmm. And 
let's stay together. The best thing we can do is just stay, stay together. together. You know, when we, we go on paved paved trails sometimes, we've got these really beautiful big paved trails. Sometimes our kids will get a little bit ahead of us. We can always see them, but they're a little bit ahead. If you're in the woods, it's good for everyone to stay right there together. So just be aware of where you are in nature. Um, a lot of times too, these hikes, we went on a whole series of hikes last week on when we were on vacation and mm-hmm. there were... Uh, very many of them that had some very steep drop-offs and, and not very, very wide paths. Yeah. If your uh, kids were doing any kind of horseplay or something, somebody could get seriously hurt, fall off the path. So I think it's really important that we keep everybody close and that everybody knows the behavior that we expect from them on the trail, the the direction that we're going, um, you know, and not to to touch anything or what to do if we encounter wildlife. Absolutely. Um, next thing, you know, we have some people here who listen. Uh, we've talked to some number of families who have some older kids and you start to get into that 10, 11, 12 range where, oh, why don't you stay at home and I'm going to go to the grocery store with right. the five-year-old. You're starting to get into that situation where you might be leaving your, your young one mm-hmm. home, you know, talking about the rules, what they can and can't right. do and what they should do in case of an emergency, mm-hmm. those type of things, who they should call, where are the phone numbers. Yeah, it's very different than having a small child when yeah. you're in the house. When they're the only ones there, it's about you know not opening the door for anyone. Exactly. It's about um, uh, you know things that they are allowed to use, not allowed to use, uh, safety. I, I, I read this one story where these parents had, had talked to their kids about what to do if there was ever any kind of issue with the water, where the main water shutoff was for the house. Oh, wow. And they had shown them where the main circuit breaker was for the whole house to just shut it down. Anyway, they ended up having a pipe burst in their bathroom when they were at the store. Wow. And it was flooding their entire downstairs. And their oldest daughter, who was like 12, knew where the water shutoff was and shut off the house water. Wow, that's really good. You know, it, and and called parents panicked but she you know and they said did you shut off the water yeah i did i shut it off and i was like i would never think about showing my kid where the water shut off was and when we're home that's not something that's a concern because we're here but when you start leaving your kid alone there might be things that they might need to know to react quickly to a situation um so think about things like that it never even occurred to me i read that and i was like wow i that's very smart. I'm going to have to add that to my list when my daughter's able to stay home alone. So these are a lot of topics, a lot of ideas, a lot of things to do. What about incorporating these into your daily lessons? You know, you're, you're, you're homeschooling, you're, you got your morning baskets, you yeah. got your curriculums, you know, how do you fold these in? So uh, we can definitely have, you know, specific talks where we set aside and show our kids where the water ch- shut off valve is, things like that. One of the best things we can do, though, is to just incorporate safety lessons into our everyday. When we're out riding bikes with our kids, we remind them of the safety rules. Mm-hmm. When we are cooking something and our kids happen to be in the kitchen, maybe we'll say, oh, you know, look how I'm standing back because I'm frying something. And this is when no one should be in the kitchen. You know, just whatever. I mean, there could be lots of different rules. If you can fold them into your everyday life and and you are consistent and you repeat them, then they really stick with your kids. And they'll be more safety-minded in their life about other things. They might get in situations where they don't feel something is right. They're being pushed into something. They're going to be more safety-conscious to, to say no, not to do anything they don't feel comfortable with, or to maybe assess new situations that you haven't prepared them for. And, oh, yeah, no, I'm not going to do that. That does not look like a safe thing to do. Absolutely. So that's a lot of prevention a lot of knowledge on, on, you know, how to mitigate things. The other side of the house is emergency preparedness. So when something yeah. does go wrong and, and most of the times we we're talking about, um, things that are maybe natural disasters, sh- short-term emergencies, mm-hmm. um, personal life emergencies, things like, like, yeah. like the health scares, mm-hmm. or if something were to happen, you know, unf- you know, heaven forbid mm-hmm. to a family member or something like that. How do you prepare for that? So when you're talking about emergency preparedness, I, you know, the survival community, they always, they're probably the best at this and their philosophy and the way of thinking about this is you always want to think of it as sort of like layers, like an onion. Um, every single type of emergency or disaster um, kind of spreads out further and further. And as you get further out, it becomes um, a longer time period of, of the disaster. So a lot of times, you know, the short-term disaster could be, oh, the power just went out for a couple hours, right? How do I handle that? Do I have candles? Do I have light? You know, do I have, you know, you know, flashlights, things of that nature readily available to get me through that? Oh, we lost power because of a windstorm. 
you know, can we handle that? Can we survive through that? Do we have, you know, water? Do we have, you know, um, some ready quick made food? Do we have a sterno that we can cook some boil, some hot water and stuff like that? And then beyond and beyond and beyond and all the way out to, you know, obviously the comet hitting the planet type of disaster and how you're going to survive on that one. Yeah, that's not, that's not, that's like a full, uh, full deep impact. Yeah, I know. But, but for most of us, most, most of us, the worst thing we will, we will, we might experience is a natural disaster. You know, a fire rips through your area. You you live in kind of a drier part of the world and the fire comes up on your your house Mm -hmm. really quick and you got to go. A hurricane's coming, slow impending disaster. It turns, boom it strikes where you are yeah i mean yeah no. you think you have enough time but we, yeah. we having having moved We've from florida there. there are times when it's going to be a, a nothing yeah. and everyone decides to stay and all of a sudden it's a gat four and it's turned your way yeah or or even worse yet um storms are coming potential for tornadoes tornado yeah. touches down you only have minutes to get it into your cellar or into your basement things right. of that nature you know so being able to be prepared for things like this i think are are from the standpoint of a disaster to you, your family, and your house, these are kind of the the outliers, but they tend mm-hmm. to be, when they hit, they're pretty devastating. Yeah. So one of the things that a lot of people talk about um, to mitigate the short-term disasters, it's very hard to like plan for, oh, there's a, you know, a solar flare and it knocks out all the satellites or something like that. That's all well and good if you want to, if you want to get wonky on that type of stuff. But for most people, preparing for a one-day, two-day disaster oh, we had a earthquake mm-hmm. and we have to go and pack it up and get to grandma's house in Idaho or whatever, you know, or we, you know, we had a fire rip through the area. We've got to get out of the house and go to, you know, our uncle's house in, in Wyoming for the, for the day, or there's a tornado that ripped through, didn't really hit our house, but it destroyed the area. We need to get out for a few days. We've got to go down to grandma's house in Florida or whatever it might be. Having, we're, we're, we're bugging out to far places. Yeah, so <laughs> the the term is bug out, um, and they have this term called bug out bag or a go bag. Um, these are basically very simple bags that you can put together that have a small amount of materials, you know, gear, things of that nature um, for you to survive for a day or two. Um, obviously, you know, have to have to all your meals and whatnot, but having a go bag ready for each one of your kids um, that has like a change of clothes, toiletries ready to go you know toilet paper a snack i always like to talk about putting in some oatmeal because if you think about it a couple a couple you know granola bars will get them a couple hours you know two packages of oatmeal will get them another three or four hours you can survive food wise for six or seven hours say you have to drive a certain distance or whatever that might be yeah having a first aid kit somebody stumbles falls hurts themselves while you're doing whatever you have the ability to, you know. We bend. call ours an ouch pouch. Ouch Some pouch. friends of ours made <laughs> yes. a bunch of these up in Ziploc baggies called ouch pouches. And our, our girls know where our ouch pouch is. And if somebody yep. gets hurt, then they go and get these supplies out of it. And also um, in the, in your kind of go bag or grab bag, you want to have like battery free entertainment. So colored pencils, pencils, notebooks, deck of cards, books, mm-hmm. things of that nature. Things that they could entertain themselves for a couple hours, especially right. if you have to get on the road and drive for say six hours. But this could even be, hey, we all have to go to the emergency room because something happened. Exactly. You can grab this bag. So if you have a, a child in diapers, you want to make sure it has diapers and yep. wipes. You've got some powdered formula in there. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be a huge disaster for you to need this bag. Well, And, and I like the idea that every kid has their own go bag. Like it's, right. it's unique to them. It's what they like. It's a change they, of clothes in a, there. Yeah, especially for them, snacks that they like, things that they want. Also, the the idea of having, you know, if you're having to leave the area for a couple days or, you know, if you have an earthquake or something of that nature, having a laminated map of your local area and then flipped over to the Mm -hmm. other side, a laminated uh, version of your state so that you can get around. And a lot of times they will, you know, families will have preparedness plans like, oh, if for some reason we're split up. Yeah, and where do we a, go? There's a major earthquake. We talked about this when oh, yep. used, when Ariel used to work down in the city, and I worked on the north side of the city. She worked on the south side. If there was a major earthquake in Seattle, which you know it could happen, sure. Um, what would be our plan, and how would we get back to each other? And mm-hmm. you know, what if the major roads were closed? What if there was go? no communications, and how would yeah. we know where where to find one another? Yeah, exactly. And and a plan that that we would execute to. So like, oh. If you're on the south side of the city, you know, here's how you can get back home. Here's all the various routes you can take to get home. 
if you can't get home, here's where you can go. And I would expect you to be in that area. Right. And, you know, if I have to come and get you or something of that nature, or if for, for some reason you're on the other side of the mountains and the roads get, you know, we have a freak blizzard and all the mm-hmm. roads are closed. How will we prepare for that? And having maps and yep. um, uh, laminated maps for that and with your plan on there and indicating certain areas. So for example, you can indicate where grandma's house is. You can mm-hmm. indicate where, you know, your friend's house, if it's a backup, you know, we always have like a designated parent type of thing, you know, friends, if you, you know, if something were to happen, you know, I I need you to take my kids for a couple of days, those type of people, you can indicate that on your map as well. Sure. It's really important, especially if you're going, you said the mountains, you know, we live near the Cascades. And so uh, we we actually had some friends go to the other side to pick up a puppy actually. And they came back and they, and there was kind of a freak snow event and they were in the pass and got snowed in and had to stay up there. And, you know, thankfully they had stayed overnight one night when they went to get the puppy. So they did have some extra clothes and things, but they were on their own as far as the food that they had with them, because they were literally stuck at the top of a mountain all night, um, and the blankets and things they had with them. So it's really important to be, to be sure about where you're going and the items in your bug out bag are great for you to even take this bag along on a planned trip. Like, Oh, I'm going over the mountains and you know, it's April. I mean, we, we were planning to go up into the Olympic Peninsula mountains last week and it snowed three feet and we couldn't go up there. So, I mean, things happen. And so it's, you know, these bags don't have to be a, just a once in a freak event type of situation. They could be a bag that you take with you when you go somewhere and and you, you might not be able to get out. Exactly. Some people keep them in their cars. Um, I've heard people just keep them in a closet, whatever it might be. Another couple of little things. Um, if you are putting out a bug out bag, um, cash so like ten dollars yeah. in ones yeah. it may be maybe a, more than that a prepaid debit card um 25 bucks something of that nature if you just you know if there's an earthquake and there's power down you can't do you know the credit card systems aren't working you need to be you able can to even do something. the debit card in that case yeah. i'd i'd just do cash i yeah. think yeah i mean both um especially if if you get separated mm-hmm. um and you got to get like a you know a plane ticket or something like that having having the ability to to pay for those type of things on on the go immediately yeah um can alleviate a lot of that. And then also using a lot of Ziploc bags to keep things dry. And that's kind of the the main thing. You can go really crazy with bug out bags. People put a lot of gear and whatnot in there. Um, just tailor it to what you what you have in your area. So if you live in a sunny area, like in say Arizona, you may want to put some sunblock into your bag. Mm-hmm. You know, if extra you live in a rainy water. area, yeah, extra water. Um, if you live in a rainy area like we do, toss a poncho in, in the bag, you know, in yeah. a little, a little cellophane pack that they can open up and, and wear if, if they happen to be. A great thing somewhere. is to put a life straw in that bag. So you don't yep. have to pack bottles of water. So you could, you know, you could end up drinking water wherever Yeah, and know that that would be good. Yep. I think these, these bags are really helpful. You know, you've got spare identification copy of your passport, mm-hmm. just a photocopy. It's good to have that on you too. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so some some really good ideas there. I think you know we, we can't always prepare for every emergency, but it's good what we can do. Um, you know, additionally with emergencies, planning to be out of power. I mean, that might not you know be a, a super um, surprising emergency, but it does happen. But that one sometimes. actually hits us. You know, if you think about it, it hits us more frequently. Yeah, you take your electricity away, you lose. <laughs> It's a lot of touch to a lot of stuff. It right. plunges you back, you know. If century. we have a heavy snow event and we can't get out and there is no power, what are we going to eat? Do yeah. we have, uh, you know, we the last house we lived in, we had a well. And so if there was no um, there was no power, there was no water from the well we only had, but was contained just in a small tank in our garage. And so we did have extra water. So think about your own situation, your own home. Um do you need extra water? If you, if the power goes out, uh, is the first thing you're going to do, or maybe before the power goes out, Hey, we're going to fill all the bathtubs with water, right? You should have some plans. Uh, we get bad windstorms up here. We lose mm-hmm. power that way. Uh, hurricanes was a big one. We would lose power and then it would be out like a like hundred degrees yeah. and yeah. it was out for two weeks. Um, so, you know, packing food in your pantry, that's going to be shelf stable and really important to pack food that you like. <laughs> so that you will eat it before the expiration date and then you can replace that well, food. Well, it goes back to what we said with our gardening thing. Grow what you, grow what you like, eat what you grow. Right. And the same thing is store what you eat, eat what you store. Um, and mm-hmm. then rotate your stores through that. That's a very common thing. So we, we talked a little bit about the bug out bag, um, but is there you know other resources and equipment that people can do? 
to, you know, enhance their preparedness, enhance their safety. Yeah, there's some cool things. One of the coolest things that I saw kind of on a little bit of the curriculum type kick is something called Skill Trek. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, PDFs and video um, tutorials or curriculum. And it's all, uh, we'll put a link in the show notes. It's all different kinds of things. It teaches your kids tons of different skills. Um, it's by age. So it starts at like five years old and it teaches skills that would be kind of appropriate for that age. It teaches them all kinds of safety related things. Um, and you know, how, how to start a fire, you know, all those kinds of things if they were lost or, you know, so there's some survivalist stuff in there. It also teaches them a lot of great skills like, um, how to change an attire, how to change a tire, how to clean properly, how to iron something. I mean, it teaches like lots of life skills. Mm-hmm. So it's not just safety and emergency preparedness, but, um, the, the look that I took at it, I was really pretty impressed and I think we might check it out ourselves. Um, so if you think that your kids will respond well to video lessons, it was a, a pretty low, um, membership fee. Uh, and I think there's some free stuff every month that you could do if you wanted to. So definitely check that out. Uh, whistles and id bands yes whistles are always great especially if you're in a really crowded place it could be hard to hear your kids shout i'm thinking you know i'm I'm looking at you disney yeah Uh, you know (laughs) like so or or in the woods or somewhere camping or something like hey you know having a whistle it's really easy to hear but then id bands in case they are lost and they need to be found contacting phone numbers names right there are super cheap id bands we'll put a link into the show notes from amazon um and you you can you can slip right in there the phone number or name so if you have a little one that is too little for uh to be able to remember a phone number you can always put that on them i'm i'm thinking especially of times when we might be at like a, a theme park or mm-hmm. somewhere where it, it would be could be easy to get separated from our kids okay. or you know we're going to the airport or something um it could be really nice to have that you know with mom and dad's phone number Speaking of airports and little kids, um, another one that before we were parents, we thought was, I was like, who would leash their child? <laughs> like, can't you keep control of your kids well enough that you don't have to put them on a leash like a dog? I, I, I was totally, I was totally naive. You guys, um, when we went to Spain with our 18 month old, I had that leashed that child and I am so happy I did. There's these cute little backpacks. It was tiny. It was perfect. It held like a diaper and a small wipes pack and like a, a, a small change of clothes. Retractable leash. And like it had a leash that connected to it and the backpack actually clipped around her chest and I held onto it. Of course I held her hand, yeah. but we were like, walking through the train station in Seville. It was very busy. It was very easy for somebody to jostle us or I knew that no matter what I had hold of my kid and she was there. So just don't listen to all those naysayers. If you are in a really busy place, like if I was going to take a toddler to Disney, I would totally put a leash with a backpack. Cause it's just, you, you've got, you're in crowds. It's very busy. Yeah. Um, and man, those toddlers and their slippery little fingers can get away from you so quickly. So um, I, I love the little backpacks with the little well, the little leash. For me, it's more important that they're hauling their own diapers. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to include that one though because that was one that I really yeah. I remember before we had kids, I thought was really ridiculous, and then later I was like in the pro- in a proper situation. This is amazing. So we talked about a little about flashlights a little bit earlier, but good LED flashlights will last forever. Um, really good mm-hmm. thing to have around the house. I, you I can especially get the ones that plug in yes. so that they, they're fully charged. And, and then the moment that the power turns off, they glow, they, they glow right away. So you, you and your kids can find them really easily. But, um, but here's the big one. The AirTag wristband. Oh, man. You guys, so this is what we were talking I about would earlier. have totally done this. Bluetooth, you know, distance, you know, if you're... It's fantastic. So, you, okay. So, Apple AirTags, the way that they work is they connect via Bluetooth to other iPhones. So, if it's in your house, obviously, and you've lost your remote or something, you have an AirTag on it, it will you know, connect with your phone, but let's say you're, but you at, can also ping it. That's the, but cool you can thing. ping it and it'll make a noise. Yeah. Um, but let's say you're at Disneyland and your kid gets lost. They have these really great 
guys, they are $10. These little... <laughs> it makes like, it look like a wristwatch. Yeah, it looks like a wristwatch and it holds an Apple AirTag. Apple AirTags are only $29. So, we're, you know, as of this recording. So very cheap, all in all. And it will connect to... Uh, it uses other people's iPhones. Securely and, and Se- securely, anonymously. Securely, yeah. And then, yeah, securely and anonymously. So you could find your kid. Like, I could know where my kid is at Disney because I know that everybody's got iPhones around there. There's and at least an connect. iPhone within 40 feet of them. <laughs> right, they're probably... <laughs> Probably is. Whereas like if you're in the woods, this would not be a good option, but this would be a great option if you plan to be in some sort of a crowded place. And I, we're going to take our kids to Disney sometime next year. And Maybe I'm like, double air oh, I'm totally doing it, you know, because then if anything happens, I know exactly where my kiddo is at. Um, another thing you can look into is there are little kid watches that mm-hmm. work with your cell phone mini- manufacturer, like or cell phone carrier. Yeah, and they're so actually like Verizon. They're actually Sprint. GPS, and they use the cell band to communicate where the they kid do. is. So the, that would be better if you were inside more of like a rural area, as long as you had um, access to low cell cell coverage. Um, right. And they had a clear sky, the clear view of the sky. And those are GPS. nice. They can, they, they use a, a speaker on the watch and your kids can usually call like three or four numbers yep. and they can get texts even from you. So that's a great way. If you have a kid who's bopping around a bunch of friends' houses in your neighborhood or something, they can check in with you via these little, um, watches that they can wear, which I really like. Uh, the other thing for safety that I think is really cool and we're starting to replace them in our house is, um, the wall plugs and the middle of the wall plug is a nightlight. So if you have a two-year-old like we do that loves to pull nightlights off the wall, (laughs) (laughs) these are great because they're actually integrated into the plug. They're pretty affordable. We'll put a link in the show notes. I believe they also have an option if they lose power, they actually glow. They have some battery within. Some of them do. The one we have does not. Does not, yeah. But there are different options with them. I think you're right. Um, But that's really cool because then you always, you know, if we have like a plug right near our stairway, so we can light that all the time. So nobody trips down the stairs, even at night. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially it's great when we have guests or something that aren't as familiar with our home as we are. Um, So anyway, these are a few just safety ideas. Um, Tell us, tell us your favorite safety ideas. We would love to hear your favorite like gadgets and tools. So we talked about safety um, preparing, you know, preventing things. We talked mm-hmm. about preparedness, uh, especially natural disaster, or any type of local home disaster. Um, and then we talked about a little bit about resources, things that you can do to, to help mitigate those, those issues. Let's wrap it up for them. Okay. You know, we don't want to live in fear. We want to, no. we want to have a fun, enjoyable life, but we also want to mitigate disasters and, and issues. One of the best things we can do is talk to our kids and, and explain these things to them and, incorporate them into our homeschool as sort of like mini, mini lessons, mini unit studies. Um, it's not just pulling them aside and say, Hey, I'm, Hey Johnny, I'm changing a tire today. You know, being, being thoughtful and focused on, on these type of things and, and folding it out and rolling them out periodically, you know, whenever I mean, but you do, do take advantage. If you have yeah, to change take, a tire, that's maybe a great opportunity. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously in the moment, absolutely bring them in, but Taking them time and, and the moments to being actually thoughtful. being thoughtful and actually like putting folding this into your curriculum, I think will help to alleviate and you know avoid potential disasters that that might might befall your children or you. Yeah, that's true. So a few parting thoughts we just wanted to leave you with: um, practice safe behavior yourself mm-hmm. because our children watch everything we do. So um, I when you told our daughter <gasps> that she should use the tongs to pull toast out of there, she said, "But mommy uses a butter knife." And that was the point where I was like, oh, I actually have not been safe myself. And my kid totally notices that. So um, listen, that that may be the old toaster. Someone's going to say in the comments, Matt, the new toasters have surge protector fuses on them. And that doesn't happen anymore. Matt, you're, you're, that's the 1982 toaster that your parents <laughs> Yeah, had. that might be. <laughs> yeah, maybe we are carrying over the lessons of our childhood. But the, the, overall, the overall message is that, yeah. is that you should practice safe behavior yourself so that your kids copy what you do. The other thing is that these subjects, they can be scary. They can be overwhelming for our kids. So really decide what topics you're going to address, how you're going to present them, depending on your circumstances, the age and the sensitivity of your kids. Um, so really, you know, be thoughtful. The The goal here is not to, to scare the kiddos. So, yeah. um, and then tailoring what you're talking exactly. about to where you are, who you are, what your family is, where your location is, obviously, preparedness and safety um go with with the the specifics of of your location mm-hmm. and, and your and your family's needs 
you know, if you have somebody who has special needs in your home, you may have a different set of things yeah, in case totally. something happens. Or if you have an elderly parent living with you, you know, knowing what happens, you know, telltale signs of stroke and, and heart attack, things of that nature may be something you have to teach them. If you live in a kind of a rural area versus an urban area, you have different worries. So you want to really just tailor what you're mm-hmm. you're educating them and be thoughtful in that manner. And really think about how you want your child to respond. Just because you've yeah. read that this is the way kids should handle X or Y situation doesn't mean that that's the right solution for your family and the way you want your kids to handle something. So definitely um, don't be pressured into thinking there's only one solution to uh, a situation or only one way to be safe. Um, you know, you use your judgment and how you want to, to present to your kids and what your family's reaction and your family's plan is going to be in these situations. So th- these ideas that we've given today, it's by no means an exhaustive list. We're just trying to give some ideas of some places to start. Really, the goal here is for our kids to feel safe and to feel secure in the knowledge that they know how to avoid dangerous situations and what to do if they end up finding themselves in one. So uh, if there's topics that, you know, you haven't even thought of, you know, that's the thing I, I worry about too, is like, what what about the things I, I don't know that could be unsafe that kind of worries me that the the known unknowns or unknown unknowns the unknown un- unknowns the unknown unknowns yes one one site i was doing they, research they on Don <laughs> one site i was doing research on suggested that we ask our kids often you know is there anything you've been wondering or worrying about you know that you haven't told me uh, just because there might be something going on with them or a safety concern that they may be thinking about or worrying about it's good for us to to pull them to so just a couple of thoughts to leave you with. We have some more really good resources we found online for more safety um, discussion topics and how to handle things. And we'll put all that stuff in the show notes. So this is going to be a really rich um, show notes today with lots Absolutely. of good uh, links and resources for you. Absolutely. Thank you for the hard work you did on this. I think this is... We hope it's helpful. We hope this yeah. is... These are and, some of the things that we you know, we can take yeah. control. You know, as we, you know, we take control of our children's education. We take control of their safety and, and preparedness. And yeah. You know, it's I our think job. That, as we always say, you know, with homeschooling is that we, we do it in the home, we do it together and bringing that in, we have to bring this into our, our yeah. household as well. The, the safety and preparedness, I think it's a natural outflow. And these are great subjects, great things that, that will flow nicely into little units, unit studies. And yeah. I definitely know that there are, there are many gaps, many gaps in we, our we own home that we need to address yeah. following and, this and, today. And don't think because you haven't done a bug out bag or you haven't done. We don't, a, we don't have bug out bags. Yeah. Yeah. But, <laughs> I, this the summer I'm doing it. Yeah, yeah um, I know we've been planning for a long my, time. My friend, my friend has them, and I'm like, do every as time we I, say, not as we do. Yes, every time I walk in there and I see them, I'm like, oh, I got to get on that. Anyway, we all have deficiencies. We all know we yeah. have to work towards things and put these things into practice. Make a little plan and, and go ahead and get into it. We'll end it the way we always do it. Something that we're into. Aerial COVID is waning, <laughs> at least here in Washington. Yeah, thankfully um, the. The consignment sales are here. Oh they, my gosh, they it's want my favorite your, time of year. They they want you have a you have your 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 tax refund burning a hole in your pocket. <laughs> they have Hardly. used products that they want to sell to you. <laughs> tell them how the, tell the people what you've been doing. So yeah, we're we're into consignment sales right now. We have a bunch here in the Seattle area. They happen twice a year in the spring and in the fall. So uh, I just wanted to share, check with your local. Uh, there's a couple of different ones just between friends or Jack and Jill and they're national. So there might be one in your local area. Uh, these are great if you want, to, if you have items you want this, to consign. This is not like a garage sale. No, these are these are giant sales that happen at like convention centers yeah, and big at churches. The, at the county fair area. The fairgrounds. Yeah, it's a really big sale. So these are great opportunity. You know, there are consignment stores. In general, I find consignment stores fairly expensive because those stores have to support a brick and mortar location. You know, they got to pay to keep the lights on. These are pop-up sales. They only happen a couple of times a year, usually in the spring and in the fall. Um, They're a great opportunity for people to consign uh, clothes, books, toys, baby items. Um, they're really great opportunities for that. The sales that, that uh, we have around here are pretty awesome. You get to go. They have different days if you're like a new parent. or do you have uh, to pay to get in? It, these are free to get in. Unless you want to get like early access, then you do have to pay. So if you have a lot of things that you want to buy, you may pay for the $10 or whatever for early access. It's probably worth well, it, It's y'all. really nice for like if you're, if you're an expecting mother oh, man. Um, yeah. and you, you need to stock up with a bunch of stuff or you mm-hmm. have a friend who 
you know, is relocating and she's trying to get stuff and you need to go get something for them. Or you have a, you know, we always hear like the grandkids are coming. You'll see grandmothers there stocking up their house. Oh, yeah. We did stuff. it when yeah. your parents moved here. Yes, we, we, we all went, of a sudden we were like, wow, we're we going to be. We need a pack and play. We need a, 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 a we stroller. Need we need a high chair. We need a stroller. Yeah. We needed like duplicates of all, a bunch of stuff that we had because we knew we would be staying with them often, but we didn't want to spend money for a bunch of new things. I got ama- I think I got our pack and play for like $7 in our Graco with a, with a crib sheet. It was fantastic. So, um, they're a wonderful opportunity, and usually they have several days of the sale for new parents or new grandparents mm-hmm. or adoptive parents. They've got different days, veterans and things, um, and then they have some regular open to the public sale days. At the end, they always have like a fifty percent off, and sometimes even a seventy five percent off day. Not all items, but a lot of items are, and those are the best days to go shop for like play clothes. And yeah, it's clothes and stuff, but also homeschool stuff like tons art supplies, of homeschool books. stuff. You know, you won't see curriculums there very oh, often. Oh, you, you sometimes, sometimes do. Sometimes. I bought a I bought a ton of workbooks at our last one. I bought some reading oh, and right. math workbooks that, one, yeah. that I got for just a couple of dollars that had like the first page had been written in and the rest of the book was was empty. Yeah. And uh great reference books, uh tons of that kind of stuff. I've I found homeschool manipulatives there before. Um, and lots of, lots of really, really good things. So if you don't know about consignment sales yet, definitely check it out. It's a fantastic place to get stuff for cheap. So that's what we're into right now. Making the consignment sale rounds. Buying stuff. (laughs) Thanks so much for joining us today and making us a part of your homeschool journey. Please engage with us on social media. Join our homeschool together podcast group on Facebook and find us at Homeschool Together Podcast on Instagram. We'd love to hear your feedback, questions, and recommendations. Until next time. Happy homeschooling!